morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. It's so good to see you all here this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We are continuing our Christmas message series about the lesser known characters in the Christmas story. And the reason we're studying this is because we believe that God works in the shadows and in the darkness. And there are plenty of you who've been working for ages behind the scenes and getting no credit for what you are doing. You, you don't have center stage anywhere, not at work, not at home, not with your friends. You're just kind of in the shadows always. And how do we begin to see that God is working in those shadows? That's what we're going to look at today and the next few days. How do we begin to trust that God is working when it doesn't feel like we're getting anything in the world that we want? Um, a few years ago, I lived and worked in Memphis, Tennessee. I, I did a ministry internship there. Um, I worked with two groups of folks. I worked as a, as a pastor in a prison ministry, and I worked with folks who were experiencing homelessness. So I kind of did both of those things um, for a while in Memphis. And um, I was talking to this man who was experiencing homelessness one night, um, one afternoon, and he's got this like plastic mat. It's been crocheted. Uh, it's these plastic grocery bags that have been crocheted together. And he can sleep on that, and it keeps him from getting damp from the ground beneath him when the ground has been damp. I, I, this was the summertime. It thunderstorms every night in Memphis. It's kind of like uh, Florida in the summertime. It th thunderstorms and rains every single night. And, and I'm talking to him, and he holds up this mat that he's rolled up. It's like plastic grocery bags have been crocheted together, and he carries it around with him everywhere he goes. And he tells me, like, this is my most prized possession. Because on nights when I think that the floodwaters will wash me away, I wake up and I'm dry because of this mat. He says, Pastor Erica, you're a pastor. I believe this is how God tells me God is with me. A plastic mat laying on the ground. I believe God's working on the darkest and stormiest night of my life to tell me that God is with me and God loves me. I literally left talking to him and went into the prison to lead a crocheting group where we crocheted these plastic bags together. This man had no idea that the mat that kept him dry at night came from the most unlikely place, from 35 women who gathered in a circle and crocheted bags that the officers that worked at the prison would bring in and donate to them, and they would crochet them together. And then me and some other folks who spent most of our time outside of the prison walls would take those mats and give them to folks experiencing homelessness. They had no idea that those mats came from the most unlikely place. A group of women who found themselves in a hard and dark season in their own lives, but who trusted that even in the waiting, even in the shadows, even in the transformation that was happening in their lives, that God would work in them and through them. Plastic mats helping a man to know God is with him in the darkest and hardest moments of his life came from the most unlikely place. Can y'all tell me that you don't believe our God works like that? What's that unlikely place in your life? What is the most unlikely place in your life? And you're like, there's no way goodness and light can come from that. 
our story this time of year is that's exactly, that's exactly where God comes. In the darkest and most surprising places, God shows up. A few years after serving in Memphis, I moved here to Tampa, Florida to start a new church. We met with people who found themselves disconnected from the church, but who still like loved and wanted to experience Jesus and their faith come alive, but they just couldn't find a place to call their church home. Chris and I understood this. We, we wanted people to find a place where they could serve God, where they could experience God's light and then shine it in the world, right? Where they could experience God's change and where they could go and participate in it in the world. And as I'm meeting with these people over and over and over, there are two names I kept hearing over and over and over again. Sam Hesteroff and Peggy Ingram. Most of you in this room have no idea who those two people are. But they were youth pastors decades ago in this community who poured their lives into teenagers. I actually met with both of them in our first couple of months here. Both of them shared with me how hard youth ministry was. How often you find yourself working in the behind-the-scenes kind of work, going to the school and meeting with a kid who's hurting, hearing about secrets that no one else will ever know about families, dreaming about a new church and new ways for, for God's grace and love to bubble up from the ground and to meet these kids as they got back from college, a church that was engaging and vibrant and ready to spread God's love like wildfire in this place. I met with them and I heard their visions and their dreams. I heard them say there were lots of days where we didn't know if God was working. And I met with kids who had become adults, who were making huge differences in this community, who were formed by people who never, ever will get the credit for what happened in the dark rooms of youth ministry, who went after kids when they ran away from God, who provided counseling and care for people in the darkest and hardest moments of their lives. And their work helped to build the foundation for the work that happens here and in churches literally across the world. Literally across the world. God works in the shadows. God works behind the scenes. God's center stage work is life-changing, life-altering, world-shaking, world-shattering. Like, the work of God is, is amazing when it's on center stage, right? Like, let's think about Christ being born and the cross and the resurrection and God defeating death and, and, and sin forever. Like, those are amazing center stage events. But what happened in the shadows of these stories... Tell us something about how God is working in your life right now. How God is working in your life right now. Some of you in this place are stay-at-home moms and you get zero credit for the hard work you do every single day. Some of you are working, your, you're just busting it, right, at work. You're working really hard and nobody recognizes what you're doing. You've not got a raise in three years, but you're, you're, you're giving it everything you got. And nobody knows what all you do. Some of you are volunteering and leading amazing change and no one ever says thank you and you're never going to be a CNN hero of the week. I need to tell you that I see you and I believe in what God is doing 
in your life. Some of you are grandparents, your children caring for your own parents, and nobody sees you or knows what you're doing. Nobody knows the work that you've done to help sponsor people so that they could experience recovery from addiction. Nobody knows. I need to tell you, listen to me, listen to me. I see you and I believe in the work that you are doing for God's glory. I see you and I believe in you. And I believe in the work God is doing in and through you for God's glory. Teaching, nursing, caring, leading. I see you and I believe in the work God is doing in your life and in our world. I need to tell you about a God who sees you even more. A God who sees your pain that I'll never understand. A God who understands your darkness that I will never understand. A God who's seen you shine light that no one else knows about. A God who's seen you say an encouraging word to a person who works with you or for you, and you didn't have to say it, but God saw your compassion and your kindness, and God believes in the work that you are doing. God has heard your prayer. God sees you. God knows how good you are, and God believes that you are the right person to be doing the behind the scene work right now. I'm asking you to do one thing this morning. Believe it too. Believe it too, because when you believe God is doing that kind of work in your life, there is nothing, nothing that can stop you. Failure, it doesn't matter anymore. Success, it's not yours, so it doesn't matter anymore. Who gets the credit? That's not what keeps you up at night anymore. Because God is getting glory for all of the work you are doing behind the scenes. It matters and it's important and God sees you and believes in it and is working. Can you believe it this morning? Can you believe that this morning? I need to tell you about a woman named Elizabeth. Y'all rode all over town. You've seen the, you've seen the manger scenes. You, don't, you cannot pick out Elizabeth in the manger scene, right? She wasn't, she's not sitting there in these perfectly little crafted Hallmark things we've created in the world. She's not there. But she was there as God was working behind the scenes to birth new life, new promise, new goodness, and new light into the world. She was there. She was doing hard and good work, and she got no glory for it. No one's going to get a Christmas card this year with Elizabeth on the front that says, we hope you know God's working behind the scenes. Some of y'all better send that Christmas card to somebody this year, though. All right? I need to tell you about a woman named Elizabeth. She tried for years and years and years to have a child, and she couldn't. Her and her husband, Zachariah, was a priest. He served the people of God. They said that they were righteous and blameless in God's sight. Feeding the poor, check, they did it. Serving people who were hungry and who needed something, check. Reading their Bible and praying, check. Depending on God to be their peace and not everything else around them, check. Reading scripture, praying, loving, check, 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 check. They were doing it all just like they were supposed to, and they wanted one thing, to have a child. And it didn't happen. 
Then Zechariah meets this angel while he's doing his job on a Monday morning. And this angel says, Elizabeth, your wife is going to have a baby. And you're going to name him John. He's the promise. And Zechariah's like, uh, we're both old and that's not going to happen. Thank you, though, for coming to see me and tell me this. I need to just get about my job. Like, I really appreciate it, but I'm going to get back to work. And the angel makes Zechariah not able to speak for the next few months of his life until John is born. And in the shadows of this, Elizabeth is pregnant. To a husband who can't speak, who can't tell her he loves her, she's glowing and beautiful as a pregnant woman. A man who, who can't tell his friends, a man who can't, like, tell his own parents, like, we have great news, you're going to have a grandchild. Poor Elizabeth has done everything right, and she finally gets this moment where she gets to have a child, and nothing is working out for her anyway. Elizabeth is definitely a vision of how God works in the shadows. Her cousin Mary is a teenager engaged to marry a man named Joseph. And this angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have the Savior of the world. And Mary's like, oh, am I? And he's like, oh, God's word has never failed. You're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. I know this is wild, but it's going to happen. And Mary's like, whatever you want to happen, God, I am your willing servant. And that's where that piece of the story ends. And then this is what happens. As soon as Mary says, yes, I'll have this baby, as a teenager, I'm scared to death. Can you imagine? I'm engaged to this man like I could lose my life because of this pregnancy. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous and risky for me to have this baby. And so she says, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary tells this angel. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And then this is what happens after the angel leaves, leaves her. At that time, Mary got ready. And she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She put on her clothes and she left town and went out into the country where she entered Zachariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth, her cousin. Elizabeth who's longed for a child. Elizabeth who's done every single thing God has asked her to do for years and years and years. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This woman who would not have a baby shower like everybody else has had, this woman whose husband can't even speak, she's experiencing this moment of the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice, Mary... No one would hear this except Mary. Elizabeth says this out loud. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Nothing has worked out for Elizabeth for years and years of her life, even though she's been righteous and done everything she's supposed to. And she has a moment where everybody can say, Elizabeth's finally pregnant. She's going to be the woman and the mom that she's always dreamed of, and it's not happening for her. And in the face of Mary's scared, fearful, anxious self about the uncertainty, she looks at her with joy, and she says, Blessed are you among women. 
and blessed is the child you will bear. When is a moment in your life where you did not think you could keep going and someone looked at you and said, everything's going to be okay? Not as a platitude that everything's going to be okay, but what, what has happened in your life where in some moment someone who would never get the credit would look at you, look at you and say, blessed are you. God is working in you and God loves you. But why am I so favored, she says. Why am I so lucky that the mother of my Lord should come visit me? I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad for what God is going to do in your life. I'm so glad that you're here. No one, no one would ever hear her say that or know that. In fact, some of you have heard the Christmas story 900 times and you don't know that Mary was excited, that Elizabeth was excited when Mary showed up at her door and said, like, how am I so lucky that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You're scared and anxious, but I believe God is working, Elizabeth tells her. Blessed are you. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It's this deeper sense that not, not just everything's going to be okay, but this, this belief, this promise, this clinging to a faith that Mary may not have in the moment had the courage to cling to herself. This story taught me this week that when I show up in front of God, uncertain I'm the person who can carry on the task, sick and tired of everybody else getting the credit, absolutely worn out, feeling underappreciated and overworked. Anybody else feel like that? I watch y'all. All of y'all are working hard, and not many of you are appreciated like you should be. And when we show up like that, this is what begins to happen to us, right? The first thing that we say is, if God, what, what, we, what we think is, if everything is going well in my life, then God must really love me. If, if I get pregnant right when I'm supposed to, if I get my job right when I'm supposed to, if I'm having a great hair day, if like all the lights are green on my way to work, God must really love me. What we think is God must really love me if everything's going well in my life. Everything's working out perfect. It's a, it's a great hair day. It's a no hair day, but I still look good. Some of y'all are saying that, right? God must really love me if everything's working out well for me. And you know what Elizabeth tells Mary? God's promise is fulfilled to you. Everything's working out. It may not feel like it. Things are working out for you. The truth is that God always loves you. And this is why Elizabeth needed to tell Mary essentially that God always loves you even when things are going really well in your life. Because when things start going really well, when my job looks like I want it to, when my paycheck looks like I want it to, when my banking account looks like it won't... I want it to, when my pool looks like I want it to, when my car looks like I want it to, when my face and my hair and my clothes and my everything, when everything looks like I think it ought to look, when everything in my life is going well and everything is joyous, then you know what we start thinking? Look what I did. Look what I was able to accomplish. And the truth is, God loves you. And the things in your life are a gift. They are a gift. God's grace. I can't explain why God gives some things to some people and some things. I, I can't explain that right now. But 
I need to tell you that this story teaches us that the things in our lives are a gift and they should be used for the glory of God. The truth is when things are going well, God loves you very much and you have an extreme responsibility to share those gifts with the world so that they know and can believe that God always loves us. When we're experiencing homelessness or darkness or whatever, God always loves us. So if you are experiencing some season of great gift in your life, I want to, tell, I want to ask you, do you believe God always loves you? Do you believe these things are gifts given to you to be used to tell the world God loves you always? God loves you always because when we get center stage, when we get the spotlight, when we get the appreciation, when everything's going the way we want, we are really, really quick to think we did it all. And that's a dangerous way to live. And the truth that we need to tell ourselves every day is God always loves me. And the promise of Emmanuel this season that we talk about is God is with us always. How in these seasons of extra gifts are we sharing with the world boldly and passionately and crazy, right? God always loves you and is always with you. The second thing is, maybe Mary showed up to Elizabeth and she, she thought, what I think so often, things aren't going well, God must not really love me. I don't want to be a, teenage, a teenager who's pregnant. Mary might have told Elizabeth, we don't know. I don't want this job to look like this. I don't want our church to look like this. I don't want my kid's life to look like this. If things aren't going well, God must not really love me. Look at all those gifts somebody else has. God must not love me as much as God loves them. And you know what Elizabeth looks at Mary and says? God always loves you. You messed up and you're not the perfect person to carry out God's will. It doesn't matter. God thinks you are. God always loves you. God's always with you. I, I, I don't even know what to pray anymore. Elizabeth says, it's all right. God's always with you and God loves you. I'll pray on your behalf. I can't believe this about God right now. Elizabeth says, it's all right. God always loves you. Things were pretty terrible in my life too, but I kept doing what God asked me to do. I kept finding myself righteous at the feet of Jesus every single chance that I got. Because when things start going bad, we can do exactly what we, what we prayed about, right? We can begin to find our peace and our goodness and, and the light we want in our lives in everything else in the world, and we're not finding it at the feet of Jesus. And this story tells us before Jesus even came into the world, peace is found at his feet, believing this truth. It's radical and it changes everything. God always loves you, and God is with you always. When things are going good and everything's perfect, and when things aren't bad and you need a light, God is with you always, and God loves you always. And we are to seek God's things in our lives, not everything else that we think will light our way or dull our pain. God loves you always, and God is with you always. The last thing that we often think is if we serve the poor, if we work hard enough at church or in the volunteering that we do, if we work hard enough at work, if we do all of this really hard work and we find ourselves empty and give completely out at the end of the day, then God will reward us. For months and months, years and years, Elizabeth did that, and she didn't get what she wanted. 
And you know what the Bible tells us? She showed up and she kept doing it anyway. Because she didn't believe this untruth. That if we do good enough, if we work good enough, we can, we can work for our worthiness in the face of God. That's not true. It's not true. How do you do this in your own life? If I serve the poor enough, if, if my church looks like this enough, if, if my job looks like this enough, if I raise the perfect kids, God's going to reward me for this. And that's not what we find in the story of Elizabeth this morning. Maybe Mary looked at Elizabeth and said, I don't know why I deserve this. And she says, how lucky I am, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord and Savior is standing in front of me. How lucky am I? Who can you tell that to this week? Because the truth is that salvation is the work of Jesus. And Elizabeth caught a glimpse of that before Jesus ever came into the world. That she would be saved from her pain and misery, not through everything lining up exactly like she wanted, but that, that Mary was carrying her hope and her light for the future of the world. Her Lord and Savior was with her at that moment, and that's where she was going to find peace. That's where she was going to find her value and her worth because she had fell on her knees day after day after day when nothing in her life was going the way that she wanted to. And she had learned this truth that she knew that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, coming into the world through Jesus Christ, that she's not worked hard enough to earn the, the opportunity to be one of the first people to know about it and hear about it and, and care for his mother in the early days of her pregnancy. She didn't work for that. She fell at the feet of God, at the feet of Jesus, over and over and over again because salvation from the pain and the darkness of our lives does not come from, a, from the things we're addicted to. It does not come from our money. It does not come from us working hard enough. It does not come from success or accolades or praise or glory from the people around us. Salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And Elizabeth knows this in that moment. There are some of you this morning who are walking into this next season of Christmas without a belief that your salvation from all of the things you're experiencing in your life will not come from addictions or the things that you're addicted to or your money or the perfect house or all those things. There are some of you who are really struggling with that this morning and you need to, to, to say right now, God, I need you to save me through Jesus all over again. Some of you will say that for the first time. This morning, God, I find my salvation in you. Who needs to say that this morning? As I pray, pray with me. And for those of you who are experiencing a good and light-filled season, your responsibility is to tell a world desperate for it that our salvation, our light comes from God, not from anything we do. It comes from God through Jesus Christ. How are you going to live that out this week. How are you going to believe it and how are you going to live it this week? Will you pray with me? God, some of us in this room have spent all week searching for things to dull our pain, to brighten our darkness, to, to fix our lives, God, and we, the last thing we've done is fell at the feet of Jesus. And this morning, God, some of us need to be here right now this morning saying all over again, God, we believe that our salvation comes from you and you alone. 
Some of us have never prayed this, God. We've trusted everything else in this world to save us, and we fall at your knees this morning. And some of us this morning are saying for the first time ever, our salvation comes from you. We believe that you love us when things are going well, and we will commit our lives. It will be a living sacrifice to sharing that with a world that needs to hear it. God, we believe that you are a God who is working and loving even when things are dark and bad and painful. That you love us. We will claim that truth right now. And God, we will never be able to work for your worthiness, but that we have been gifted that and given that through Jesus Christ this morning. And we claim it and we cling to it and we ask you, God, to change us and help us to live differently because of it this morning. We cling to you, Jesus, our Prince of Peace, this morning.